Greetings to you from uh, Istanbul. It's good to be with you uh, by Zoom. Uh, we're, we're doing okay here. Uh, we are also still meeting only on Zoom, although we're hoping, uh, since we're hoping to be able to meet in person in a couple of weeks. Uh, they've now opened up weekends uh, for on Saturdays, and so we're considering uh, getting together on Saturday, and uh, the Saturday before Easter, and having a special Saturday service. So that would be a, a, an unusual thing in, in every way. Now having two actually, so we can get groups of 20 together. Uh, so this morning, uh, I'm going to share a um, PowerPoint with you where you're, you are starting a series on the book of First John, and I have the privilege of being uh, doing the first four verses with you. Uh, this is uh, really a great letter. Uh, the first four verses sort of form the, the prologue to it. So let me share this uh, PowerPoint with you, and we'll kind of walk through it together. Uh, I'm going to read the, you can see that I've entitled this uh, introduction, The Fellowship of the Life. Uh, and I'll explain why as I go through here. The Fellowship of the Life. Let me read uh, the first four verses together uh, as we begin. Uh, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too, may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Father, we just ask you as we read and think about these scriptures, we ask you to open our hearts to comprehend and to understand. We thank you for the uh, wonderful fellowship into which we have been called uh, through the Lord Jesus. And we ask you to bless our thinking about it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This is uh, sort of an introduction uh, to, the, to the book. Now, you, some of you will have watched uh, TED Talks. And, uh, you, and, of course, almost any talk that's being given uh, you'll find that the first thing you get as they begin, if you look down below, is um, the credentials of the person who is who is speaking, uh, especially if it's a controversial or a, an important or a major topic. You'll get the credentials first. So this particular guy here is doing a um, is a young guy doing a talk about a secret weapon against pandemics that no one wants to talk about. It's it's about how factory farms or farms where animals are bred and then just uh, slaughtered, become breeding grounds for what they call zootonic viruses that go from animals to people. Uh, he's a young guy at Oxford, and so his, his uh, credentials are given there because he's making some very um, interesting claims, and he's actually uh, calling people to do something rather controversial to, uh, in, to change their diet and in a way that would uh, be quite sweeping. His, he makes sweeping claims, and he, and he calls on people to do this thing that he's advocating. And so the credentials are there. 
credentials are uh, are given. Uh, there's something that give a, a title to credit or confidence, so that you can be you might be willing to trust the person who is speaking. So, I think what we have in the beginning of this letter uh, is the credentials of the apostle, uh, because he's actually going to make some rather sweeping claims uh, in this letter. Make some sweeping claims and call people to uh, some things that are uh, take great commitment. Uh, they're, of course, they're not uh, they're, they're not controversial things for us, but they are controversial things in the world in which we live. So he starts by giving his uh, claims. They, or let me just list a couple of the claims, since this is sort of an introduction to the book. Uh, John claims, for example, that the world the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. He uh, says he speaks about sin, which is actually a rather controversial topic these days in the world. Uh, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. That's quite a comment. It's quite a statement. He says we are from God and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Uh, by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is also a rather sweeping claim. We've got the truth, and those who do not listen to us are not from God. That's rather uh, uncompromising, intolerant. We know that we are from God, that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Sweeping claim. He says, uh, and he goes on and then he gives some tests how by which we may know who has genuine spiritual life. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, that is Jesus' commandments, is a liar and the truth is not in him. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother, still in darkness. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Very strong statements. So on what basis uh, should we believe John? What are his credentials? Uh, Well, he sums, that's what he sums up in the first three verses here. He says, we have heard, says, we have seen with our eyes, we looked upon, we have touched with our hands, we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim it to you. He gives his credentials as eyewitness testimony. He says, we have seen, we have seen with our own eyes. And we testify to it and we proclaim to you. So he is an eyewitness. He gives his credentials as an eyewitness. And of course, we see the we here as the apostles. That's how I understand this. People take it in different ways, but I take it as John speaking as a representative of the, the apostles who have with their own eyes seen Jesus, who have looked upon him and have and who know and they testify authoritatively to it. These are the apostles of Jesus Christ who are speaking. John is speaking on their behalf. That's the we. And he says that he's writing with a specific purpose. He also gives us what he wants, 
Why he's writing? He makes it very clear. And this lays out the purpose of this letter. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. So that you may have fellowship with us. This is what he's writing for. This is what he's preaching for. And we'll see he also has another uh, goal in the fourth verse so that our joy may be complete. So he's talking about fellowship. Now, probably the most famous fellowship these days is uh, the the fellowship of the ring from the Lord of the Rings. Uh, It's a favorite story of ours. Our son, Nate, uh, kind of would read the Lord of the Rings. He had this massive uh, single volume that had all three of the volumes in it. And he he loved it. And he would read it every year. He would work his way through the Lord of the Rings. And uh, the greatest thing for him was when this actually came out as as a series of movies. Uh, and the first in this in the uh, the first story or the first um, volume is the Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, and it talks about this uh, tightly knit fellowship with this special mission of taking uh, this ring and uh, dealing with the issues raised by the ring of power. Uh, John is talking about a fellowship as well. And I've, I'm thinking we can call this the fellowship of the life because he's talking about a life, the life. He says the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. We have fellowship together. We have, uh, and we are in a fellowship of this unique special life. In fact, this life is the very life of Christ that we've been drawn into. We have, there is a fellowship of the life. And he, uh, it's a fellowship with uh, the apostles. And as we'll see, it's a fellowship with the father and with the son. And it is a fellowship uh, with, of joy. It's a fellowship in light. And this will actually be the main subject in uh, of next week's uh, discussion and the verses that follow this but we'll be just making a little bit of an introduction into that today it's a fellowship that we have with one another fellowship uh, in in church life a fellowship uh, together created by the holy spirit so this fellowship this communion is a it's a sharing in the life of of jesus in the life of christ And we could think of this, as I've said, as the fellowship of the life. Uh, So let's take these one at a time and just look at them briefly. Uh, First of all, fellowship with the apostles. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked on and touched with our hands concerning the word of life it says when he says we he's saying we apostles we saw him we touched him we uh, he was the one who was from the beginning of course as you study first John there are many things there that relate to the gospel of John uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he's alluding to that as well as to the beginning of the the preaching, uh, perhaps, of the gospel, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes concerning the word of life. 
Uh, and, you know, the Lord often spoke about the the eyes and the the ears of his of his people. He said, for example, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. You are blessed. Blessed are your eyes. For you are seeing, of course, there he's talking about them seeing him. They're seeing that the, this that he has come and they're seeing the things that he is doing and they're listening to his teaching. They uh, are blessed uh, greatly because of that. The apostles are those who were called to be eyewitnesses. Uh, Luke chapter one, it begins by speaking of uh, how Luke received uh, and how he wrote the gospel. But he talks about those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered these things to us. The apostles were, first of all, eyewitnesses. They were eyewitnesses. They were, uh, of course, in the book of Acts, they were particularly called to be eyewitnesses of the resurrection. Those who had been with them from the time of the of John the Baptist at the beginning. That's another beginning, the beginning of the gospel, all the way through to the resurrection of Christ. The apostle needed to be one who had seen all of those things. Uh, eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. And they said things like this. Uh, this is Peter in Second Peter. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So we saw his majesty. We saw it with our own eyes. We saw him. This is my beloved son. The voice came from heaven with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. Uh, they were, they heard his honor, how the father honored him as the son. They were eyewitnesses and they were, uh, they heard with their own ears. You know how uh, they were warned not to speak anymore. They were told, this is not, this is intolerable. We can't have you speaking this. This is up, upending society for us. This is going to bring all sorts of political problems for us. We're going to lose our our place. We're going to lose our our nation. The Romans will come and take it away. It's why they they wanted to kill Jesus in the first place. We read in in John chapter eleven, and they even wanted to kill Lazarus because of it. But the apostles said, "We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We have to speak. We are eyewitnesses. This is the truth. We must tell this. This is the light. This is uh, this is the resurrection life. This is." What we have been promised. This is the, the hope that Israel is working for. This is why we have, this is what we are called to do. We have to speak of what we have seen and heard. They said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. We've seen it. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. They said, we saw his glory. And they, they also said, for we, from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. Their testimony was 
both that they had seen the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. They had seen his his majesty, but also that they had received from his grace. We all received his grace. I've been thinking about this a little bit. I, uh, Some of you have uh, prayed, and I've been trying to get this book published for, for some time. And I found a publisher for the, the book that I that I wrote. In fact, this is the, the website where it was published. Uh, you can see that I'm actually on here as a uh, under new publications on this uh, old new. It's called Eskieni Yainlare, old new publications. It's a book on Abraham. And so I've been trying to take this book uh, now and offer it to some of the uh, imams who I interviewed, uh, probably some of them 10 years ago. Uh, when I was starting this this research, and I uh, have written to some of them, and only a couple have re- responded. But I last week I was able to go to the uh, the Islamic seminary nearby where we live here, and I met with this man. Uh, this is a guy named Mehmet Efendiolu, and we both sat there masked in his office, no students in the building, uh, but he's there once a week, and so he said, "Come on over." And so I took my book and I signed it and gave it to him. And he, in fact, gave me uh, a book of his own in return. And so we were talking a little bit and I was we were talking about the uh, the content of this on Abraham. And I told him I had written an article uh, doing the same kind of a comparative study with David uh, in the Bible, because David is also uh, called a, a prophet in the Quran. And so he said, listen, George, could you explain to me? This story of David in the Bible, uh, in the because he has actually read it, and he said it in in the Quran, prophets are sinless; they do not commit sin. But David uh, is attributed with, you know, he's it's claimed that he commits adultery and that he uh, has the uh, wife, the husband of the woman that he has committed adultery with. He has him uh, killed on the on the front line. He commits murder. Uh, And uh, he says, that just can't be. That cannot be. Prophets do not do things like that. In the Islamic worldview, people, prophets have to be perfect examples. We follow prophets and we try to be like them. Uh, And so it gave me the opportunity to explain uh, to him that the biblical picture is not that. The biblical picture is of that from Adam onward, even those who are called uh, examples of faith like Noah and uh, Abraham and David uh, are sinners. We are all sinners. And only Jesus is sinless. And God forgives sin through the sacrifice of of Jesus. And uh, we talked about how the Bible does not cover up the sins of its, even its greatest heroes. It lays them out there. Uh, And I we thought about this quote from uh, a man named James Edward, who has an excellent commentary on the Gospel of Mark in the Pillar Commentary series. He's talking about how Peter's um, uh, denying of the Lord Jesus is laid out in great detail. Three times he denies that he knows Christ, denies that he knows him. And he says this, the church can be honest about sin. And the scriptures, of course, are honest about sin, even the sins of what we might call an apostate apostle, one who denied he knew the Lord, uh, because it is so convinced of grace. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. 
So part of the apostolic testimony about this life is that we have received grace. We have received grace upon grace. This life that was made manifest and which John says we have seen, we have seen it and we testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. This was a life that included and grace, saving grace. We saw this life, he says. We saw the life. But we have to also see that this, this life that was revealed was actually a lived life. It was a life lived among people. It was abundant life. It was a life in which we are called to share. But it was a life lived on earth in the middle of crises, political crises and social upheaval and um, controversies. It was lived among with suffering and sickness and sorrow and poverty. It was lived on earth. Uh, and it was a life that was revealed and which we are called to live. It's a life that we are called. It's a way of living. The gospel is called in the book of Acts, the way. It is a life that the followers of Jesus sought uh, to live. John Stott, in his book on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he calls this rather controversial and challenging lifestyle. He calls it a uh, Christian counterculture. Uh, the Lord refused the use of force and retaliation. He taught a radical transparency and an openness about sin. He, he taught a humble holiness. He taught uh, sexual purity. He taught humility and forgiveness. This was a life that, that they saw. They saw that this was truly the life, this life that was lived in front of them. They watched it. They saw it. They touched this life in as they touched Jesus. And this is the teaching that they heard when it says we have heard with our own ears. When we heard, this is what they heard. They heard this teaching of the Lord Jesus. And so John, in his letter, as you'll be studying, he insists that this is the kind of life that we're talking about. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Very high standard, a high calling. And that's the life that we are called to. And we don't, we ourselves have not uh, seen Christ, but we love him. We have not touched him, but we believe in him. We believe through the testimony of the apostles. That's what we are as New Testament believers, as followers of him. Uh, as Peter, as the Lord said to Thomas, Blessed are those who believe without seeing. And this is what he says to them then as the first point. This is the apostolic fellowship that we're talking about here. The fellowship of the apostles with them. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. With us, with the apostles of the Lord Jesus. And you've got to have this foundation right. This is the way that we come to the Father and to fellowship with him. is through the gospel, the gospel that the apostles preached and which is still being preached today. The gospel of the, the death and the resurrection, 
and the glory of the Lord Jesus. We believe that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead. And by believing, we have life with him. We begin that life. So we proclaim to you the eternal life. Christ is that life, his death and his resurrection. And we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. So that's the first point is this is apostolic fellowship with the apostles. And we can devote ourselves and we should devote ourselves, give ourselves continually to the apostles teaching and to this fellowship of the life, fellowship of the life of Christ. Uh, Secondly, then, this is a fellowship with the father and with the son. Uh, This is he expands now on this fellowship. This is, yes, fellowship with us. But he says, and indeed, our fellowship. This is really amazing what he says. Our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. This is fellowship with the triune God. He doesn't mention the spirit here, but it's the fellowship that we share, we are called into fellowship with God, with the Father, and with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And we participate in this fellowship. This is our life. And he makes it clear that this uh, fellowship with God is based on an understanding of who Jesus Christ is as the Son of God. In fact, the spirit of God every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God this has a a doctrinal a, a truth component to it it's a fellowship it's communion it's life but it is based on the reality that the son is God who has come in the flesh And of course, this has been the early church looked at this and thought about this and wrestled with how do we, how can we express this apostolic understanding of who Jesus is, God and man? How do we express this? How do we put this together? Um, Confessing Jesus Christ correctly is crucial to understanding fellowship with God, the Father, and God, the Son, and the Spirit. Uh, last, a couple of weeks ago, we went to, uh, we took a, a couple of days, and we drove to uh, this small city of Iznik, which is the Turkish name for Nicaea. It's just an hour and a half from where we live in Istanbul. Uh, it's on a lake, Lake Nicaea. And we spent a couple of days there, walked along the lake here uh, when it wasn't uh, on lockdown. And we uh, took a couple of pictures. There's actually ruins under the water of this, of this lake, ruins of a church that dates all the way back to 350, just a little over to the right of this picture. They think it is probably the site where uh, that was built on the site where the, the Nicene Council was held, where they came together together. Uh, Leaders from churches around the Middle Eastern world, many of whom were um, had scars. The persecution had recently ended, and they came together to talk about how do we understand this? Because there were controversies that had had risen, saying that Jesus was not uh, eternally and fully God, 
that he was a created being, a little bit like what you find in Jehovah's Witness understanding today, that he was a high created being, not fully God. And they, being together for many months, they hammered out what is known as the Nicene Creed. Uh, And that was an attempt to put together an understanding uh, of how of the Trinity and of the nature of Christ. And I'll just read a little bit of it to remind ourselves. I think we can all still affirm these words because they're based on the apostolic understanding. We believe in one God, the Father, almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. It was actually quite a thing to be there in in Iznik and uh, looked up the words of this and think about it and thinking of For centuries, God's people have read these scriptures and have confessed this apostolic truth. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence as the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. And it goes on. But I'm going to just stop there. Uh, These things, of course, are in every era challenged. And they're challenged again. They're challenged today. There's all sorts of uh, rethinking in in Christian, even in so-called evangelical circles, changing or thinking about Maybe we maybe we need to understand this differently. Maybe we need to understand this in a in a, a more progressive way and a different idea. Many uh, lots of aspects to the things that are being uh, brought out today in uh, evangelical Christianity, so called, and a lot of them are in fact moving a long way from the 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 foundations of Scripture in many eras in many areas. One of them, I've read this book recently. This is actually quite a, uh, an excellent book. I would, uh, it's pretty heavy, but I would really recommend it. There's a lot of essays in there. Don Carson has an essay in there. It's called Retrieving Eternal Generation. It's looking at the idea that is in this creed here, begotten, not made. That the son is eternally the son. And the father, eternally the father. And you cannot have father without son. You cannot have son without father. There is, he is eternally begotten. He, they call this eternal generation. And I believe it's the correct way of understanding uh, the scriptures. But it has been challenged for various reasons in recent, uh, recent years. And John goes on and he says, who is the liar, but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the father and the son. And we find echoes of this all the time in this country where we live, because the uh, the Quran says very clearly, do not say son. God does not have son. Do not say three. The Quran says. But we believe that this is false and that the gospel is the truth about God, the Father and God, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that Christ is indeed fully God, fully man and came to die on the cross. The Quran denies the cross. Says that he did not die. And so the gospel is opposed in this country. But people are also coming to believe 
in, in Jesus at the same time. Uh, of course, this has for us as believers, this has a, a wonderful and comforting and practical. It's not just a doctrinal issue. This is uh, for us. This is the, the heart of the love in which we live. The fo- fellowship with the father through the son. See what kind of love the father has given us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. J.I. Packer wrote, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If he doesn't understand this, he does not understand Christianity very well at all. And it's the Lord Jesus who teaches us how to live as children of the father. You know this passage in, in Matthew 11. No one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal to him. Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And he teaches us how to live as children of the father, how to pray to the father, how to live and say, Abba, father, and to walk in obedience to the father. And we are brothers and sisters of one another as well. We learn to live with each other. So just to conclude, the second point and my third point will be very brief. I don't have a lot of time, but uh, left. Uh, Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we need to devote ourselves to fellowship with the Father and with the Son. This is our privilege and this is our calling as believers, individually and together. And finally... And you will be taking up really the way this unfolds in the, the book of First um, Timothy, uh, the fellowship that we have of joy. It's a fellowship of joy. He says we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. He wants them to share in his joy. And that can only be joy that is in the truth and in transparency, you find this in uh, in Second John, for example, and in Third John. I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy, he says, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This is fellowship in light, fellowship in the light, uh, and. There's an aspect of light where light is truth. But there's also an aspect of light, which is transparency. And I won't go into this because this is the next passage in First John. But he says, if we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. It goes on to talk about confessing our sin, open before God, keeping open books before God, light as transparency. So my final note is let us devote ourselves to the costly fellowship of life with one another. It is challenging to live with Uh, one another to build true deep christian fellowship but that is what he in this letter is calling uh, the uh, believers to 
So the last verses, the last verse in the book of the, in this epistle puts it this way, as we end here thinking about this fellowship into which we are called, this fellowship of the life. He says, we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Lord, we just pray that you would help us and strengthen us in this fellowship. In this fellowship, we thank you for the life that you've given us, and we give you our praise in Jesus' name. Amen.